looks like there's some birthdays. I, I, I was putting my clothes on, so somebody was somebody was born on this day. Is that is that hot? It feels like maybe that's too hot. You guys, let me know. Uh, I'm not muted. I'm not muted. I know you can't see me. Uh, hello. Now you can. Um, good to see everybody. Let me see here. I'm still getting set up a little bit. I was uh, doing some more reading this morning. Always, what is it with this guy? He's always he's always reading. You know, sometimes when I get in arguments with people uh, on Twitter, they uh, try to make fun of me because I write books. And and I think that that when you look at this, uh, I'm coming back now. And when you look at this uh, trend, I think it's hilarious. I think it's one of the beautiful things about life that reveals itself is when you you get to see someone's true, like <laughs> their inner resolve is you suck because you spend a lot of time putting words on a page, and then and then you offer that to other people, and people are buying it. They're like purchasing your book. Yeah, you're so you're so wrong. And then they then they try and use the title as if it's something to make like one guy said yesterday. He was like, "Oh, and you wrote a book with oh oh, it's got apocalypse in the title." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, best apocalypse ever. Twelve thousand nine hundred year long cycle written about through ancient history. You and I are on the precipice." of this fort and this beautiful woman of time is dipped her fork into this cheesecake and it's strawberry and she's placing it in her lips and you and I are watching it. You're, you're damn right. You're damn right. It has apocalypse in the title. And let me tell you something. It's coming for you. It's coming for all of us. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Uh, I really want to encourage everyone to uh, enjoy the show today, and uh, so why don't why don't we do that? Now we've been talking a lot about uh, uh, all kinds of stuff, right? This goes back to uh, episodes I don't know, almost ten episodes ago, and I've regretted that we had to end the show exactly where we did last time, but we were really pushing on this this uh, arc idea and I want to talk today about the birth of Noah and to get here you really have to have uh, excuse me um, you really have to have been watching our previous shows some of you are going to see one example of something here and you're going to think oh well that's just one example so <laughs> what are you writing a book or something oh are you a book writer now are you like a writer or something <laughs> Like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a certified public accountant for the uh, uh, state administrative board working for the uh, outlying call, call, call. Right? <coughs> anyway, um, it's arguing's fun. It's, it's, uh, it's better than war. It's, uh, actually, I haven't been arguing a lot, but uh, um, I, did, I did make some thoughts about the... Let's let's stay focused, James. You got a huge, huge show, and make sure there's get your yeah get your pages off my damn dirty. Okay, okay, good. 
Um, everything's working well. And so, you know, if you, if you don't understand the show, dude, you got to watch my other stuff. You got to watch my other stuff to get us kicked off here. I want you to, I'm putting a planet on the screen. That's how important this idea is, is that I want you to actually think about this planet. I want you to pour your plasma into this idea that there's a planet and that planet's called Mars and that you have to colonize that planet. You and I were like, how are we going to colonize Mars? It turns out Elon Musk was right the entire time. It turns out that dude is like a, uh, the guy who named his, his daughter backslash seven, four, uh, XVR, uh, dot two, uh, that, that, that dude was totally right. And, and, and so there you are. Okay. So how do we colonize Mars? Do we send two humans and a bottle of wine? Do we have an American Idol where we pick the Grand Adam and the Grand Eve, right? Where Simon Cow is on the stage going, Eve, do you, do you think you could bite the apple with a little bit more passion? Do you? Do, no, Eve, don't swallow it. This is, not, this is not a giant reality show where we're picking American Idol. It's, this is America's Eve. Yes, yes, yes. Caress the apple, Eve. Good. Adam, can you blame all of your decisions on this wench, Eve? Can you do that? Can you guys do that? I think you're horrible, right? That we Do we pick the Adam and Eve, and do we send those two packing to Mars with uh, a case of wine and uh, some candles? Maybe some little... Little blue pills, you know, is, is that, is that really the best idea? Do we, do we send a freeze dried packet of 12 surrogates, right? And 12 men and just hope it works out and not really concern ourselves with, uh, inbreeding. If that's a thing, I have to say if it's a thing, because I don't fucking know. Yes, I know that, that there's a lot of words out there. And yes, I know about the blue people of Kentucky. I did a fucking paper on it. I thought it was fascinating too. But it still doesn't actually say that that was caused by inbreeding. You don't know why they were blue. Look it up if you have no idea what I'm talking about. So how do we colonize Mars? How do we do it? And before we even say this, I probably should have started with this slide. But in 1873, this dude, Heinrich Schleimann... Yeah, this is Heinrich Schleiman. I'm here to see your daughter. He said that to someone. And, and that he found the mythological city of Troy. And before Heinrich did his thing, there was no Troy. Troy was a myth. It was a silly myth. It's like, oh, it's such a great myth. Oh, I love it. I love myths. Hey, we found Troy. What? And yeah, th this keeps happening. It doesn't keep not happening. It keeps happening. We aren't telling each other stories about, hey, remember that time where we thought this is something, but then it turned out not to be something? Okay, well, we do that with the moon. I'll give you the moon. We do that with the Apollo program. But, but, but we're finding out all the time that what we thought was mythological is real. So none of what I'm telling you right now is a stretch. None of it. None of it. Unless you're Heinrichs Schleiman. He's doing some stretching. Now, um, so this idea... <clears throat> Actually, I, I probably shouldn't have showed you that because to start us off, we need to talk about the birth of Noah and the father of Noah. This is Lamech on the left. 
He's holding his uh, glowing baby Noah. Uh, his his lovely wife is is watching him, and Lamech is is pissed. He's pissed off at his wife. Why? Because Noah is like glowing white. He's a he's an albino. He's an albino baby. And I thought to myself, the pregnancy is from the watchers, and the seed is from the holy ones, and the Nephilim, and my mind was greatly disturbed on account of the child. Then I, Lamech, became perturbed, and I went into my wife, Bat Enosh, and said, Now when my wife, Bat Enosh, saw that my countenance was disturbed, she curved her passion, saying to me, Oh, my master, my master, my brother, my cousin, my youthfulness, I swear to you by the great holy one, by the king of heaven, that this seed is from you, Lamech. That you and me, Lamech, remember that trip we took down down past the burning bush? Remember that? You and me? We had that bottle of wine, and you told me about thorns, and I didn't know that about thorns. And then you told me you had a thorn in your pants, and I didn't know what you meant. And then next thing you know, I'm pregnant. That was you, Lamech. That the planting of this fruit is yours. It is not from these strangers or these watchers or these sons of heaven, Lamech. That's not, that's not who it is. It's okay. It's okay. And Lamech got so upset. And you know what? Uh, Batty Nush, Lamech was like, Man, I've been hearing these rumors of dudes going around telling me that their wife is pregnant, but they were at sea. And then the wife told him that it was a virgin birth. And I just think that sounds really suspect to me. That Lamech was having all those thoughts and like, I don't know if I can believe her. I don't know if I can believe her. Me and my wife, Bat, we do not have a strong emotional relationship. We don't like check in with each other. And so I have some trust issues with you. So Lamech goes to his father and it's like, dude, I'm about to about to kill this bitch. She's, she's been sleeping around and we haven't even gotten to who these watchers are. We haven't even gotten to that. We haven't even gotten to that. Right. And his father knows, his father knows. He's like, no, dude, you don't understand that albino thing. That's, it's all good. It's not even you, Lamech. It's me. That that is the weave and the waft coming through. And, uh, and you and I are a different kind of machine. We are a genetic uh, slot machine. You know how Lamech, you can go to a truck stop and you can walk in the bathroom and you, all of a sudden there's a metal machine right in front of the urinal and, and it's offering to sell your condoms. And you're, you're like, this is like the last place I want to even think about purchasing some sort of prophylactic for my member. That instead of that machine being that way, it's the opposite. That it is a, uh, there are, are planted virgins, human virgins, waiting for your seed on this earth. And that you're here to have sex with them. And this is a, a, a fascinating idea, right? It's very self-fulfilling, if you're a giant, to have these thoughts. But you're living in a time where the giants and the Nephilim, the fallen ones, are doing something very important. They're, 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 they're directly tied into breeding. Before we get to the breeding, though, I want you just to understand this idea of Noah being an albino because it's not really related, but it is related. Noah's line was chosen because of his ability to perceive and see 
the Lord. Whatever you want to call Lord, okay? It doesn't matter at this point. There was something about him, about his makeup, that allowed him. He was chosen because he could be in this presence. Moses, too, same, same kind of idea. The mechanics of your first eye, the thing that actually perceives reality inside the center of your skull, the hanging sonar dome, the, that hanging sonar dome, that needle on the record of what you perceive right, is being routed through your amygdala. I feel like you guys are repeating it because I say it all the time, but it's being routed through your amygdala, back to your occipital lobe, and then back up through, filtered through the amygdala from an emotional temperament standpoint before it comes down to paint the picture into your eyes. It paints the picture inside of your eyes. And that that process is run by melanin and dopamine. Melanin is the black ink that you know about. It's actually not black, but that the ink, it gives you the coloring of your skin, but also the coloring of your eyes. That the reason why your eyes are that color is actually because of melanin and the shape, the crevice of the nautilus of your iris creates that color that it is. It's not a dye, it's a shape. And the bouncing of that shape off the hollowed halls of melanin make that color your eye. This Melanin is everywhere in your body. It's not a pigment designed to make you racist or not racist. That No. No, this is how we, modern society, man, bear, pig, tries to explain away how reality works. That melanin is, the, is a effervescent canvas that you use to paint reality, and you're allowed to shade it because you don't want it to be too bright. It works in line with dopamine and does the... The same kind of thing. Noah had no break. Noah had no ability to apply melanin. He perceived full source light all the time. The volume was always at 11. The reality volume, the source volume itself. If you want more information about this topic, I have a stream called The Eye of Ra, and you can just check it out. I'm not trying to sound like a commercial, but there's, there's a lot of back... We're building on a lot of stilts today. I want, if anyone's curious, this is a fascinating read. It took me a while to find it. And uh, it's, it's describing uh, the offspring of the angels and the reconstructed fragments of Noah's albinism by, <laughs> by tracing it through his family roots. It's, it's just fascinating read. And uh, I just wanted it on the screen, so if anyone did want to read it, uh, it's there. The albinism is just one part of, of these giant stories, the Nephilim stories. And that Noah, remember, was chosen as a protoplast, a, a first human. Actually, he's not even the protoplast. He's the, the vessel. And this vessel, this ark, is, um, has certain characteristics that genetically you and I are not going to necessarily reflect or share right now. One of those is this albinism. And I think that when you're looking at what the Nephilim were, I think you're probably looking at a lot of albinos. And if you look at all the legends, whether it be Quetzalcoatl to, uh, to the Yeti, the, I mean, you know, across the world, you have this 
this idea of this albino uh, super ubermensch kind of kind of character. There is an arc of, of darkness. And I've, we've talked about this before. There's, I've told you the stories that, that when you look at the... We just covered this four episodes ago, but when you look at the evolution of Noah's Ark, before that it was the preserver. It was a box. The preserver was a box. And that box, I think I have the... That box, the preserver of light, wasn't, wasn't made seaworthy. This wasn't constructed by, by Gilgamesh, or this, in the story of Gilgamesh. This, this box was not constructed by Ubnapishtu because it floated. No, it was constructed because it sealed out light so that the rays of Shamas, the sun, would not shine in. It was this story of the Ark was added later when suddenly this box became an ocean-going vessel. And you know who wrote that? People that wanted to understand. People that wanted to understand says, oh, well, you know, it's because of the deluge and that means water. So uh, we need to, no one's going to believe that you're floating cube, man. We need to turn this into an Ark. And so they did. And do you want to know why the... Do you want to know why the cubits are listed in the Bible? Do you want to know why? Because they wanted people to, to think of it as a boat. And uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, the reason why the, those measurements are so seaworthy is because they were pulled from a boat. And did you know that that ark wasn't even huge back then? That, that there were ships in the Mediterranean Sea at the time that had those same dimensions. This is not a truth movement, is it? It's a comfort movement. And when no one's looking, scribes will change and tweak the story to stop people from freaking out, right? To stop or to encourage people to freak out, huh? Huh? Or that, right? He hid himself in an ark, I'll just read this whole thing. And he repented for all that had happened through him. He plotted to produce a flood over all the offspring of man. But the greatness of providence, which is the reflection of the light, instructed Noah and he preached to men, but they did not believe him. It is not as Moses said, he hid himself in an ark, but she sheltered him in a place. Not Noah alone, but men from the immovable race. They went into a place and sheltered themselves with a luminous cloud. And he, Noah, recognized his lordship and those who were with him in the light which shone upon them because darkness was falling over everything upon earth. Darkness, not water. Darkness. The world was forgetting. And it forgot a lot. Oh, shit, I thought this was up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry. I need to watch my, my screens better. And th that's, the, uh, that's the preserver. That's what this box is. Did you know that on the top floor they had fresh water? 
They had a lake built into this thing on the top floor. They wanted the covering, they wanted this thing to be a water shield. They were blocking out the uh, incoming darkness and sustaining themselves inside a shrine of light that was only inside the box. They could not have the light go elsewhere. Light and source is information. Source. Your your pineal is reading that source. And it's painting it as sound later. It's painting it as, as color in your eyes later. Right? All those things are happening later. Let's watch this. Got to get the volume on. Melanin is a versatile molecule. Not only is it responsible for giving us our UV blocking complexion, at the cellular level, it gobbles up harmful radicals that lead to diseases such as cancer and Parkinson's. But that's only the beginning. Over the past decades, researchers have focused on what might be melanin's most promising talent yet discovered, the ability to conduct electricity. That's important, because if we fancy a future where environmentally benign electronics help us fight disease, monitor our health, and store energy, we're going to need biofriendly materials. And what better material for the job than one made right in-house? This is melanin in its most common form. When it comes to electrical charge, melanin acts as a sort of bank, always ready to lend out or take electrons depending on the environment. Chained together, as they naturally tend to do, melanin molecules can shuffle electrons and surrounding ions end-to-end. The result is an all-natural electrode material. In terms of performance, it's not on par with the electronic materials we find in our phones and laptops. But because melanin is 100% compatible with our body's makeup, it's a much safer starting material for building electronic devices, both for us and the environment. Researchers have shown that melanin can act as a switch when sandwiched between metal electrodes, turning on and off under different applied voltages. It seems like a simple trick, but that switching behaviour is critical to the operation of any computing device. Polydopamine, a synthetic melanin analogue, has been used to extract harmful metal ions from water, and polydopamine-coated nanoparticles have been shown to boost the sensitivity of tests designed to seek out diseases like HIV, Zika and cancer. Researchers are still learning how melanin behaves when surrounded by the machinery that makes useful electronics work. But continued efforts from chemists, physicists and material scientists are likely to result in exciting new applications for this highly versatile molecule. Oh, there's some credits there. <clears throat> Thank you, Mrs.org. Uh, uh, pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. Kind of backs up everything we've been talking about. Oh my goodness, it's, it's still playing. Kind of backs up everything that, that we've been, uh, we've been talking about, that I've been talking about, that I've been telling you about what reality is, about what source reality is. Inside your inner ear, where no light ever shines, there are melanocytes secreting melanin. Why are they secreting melanin? <laughs> Why are they secreting melanin? Because they are absorbing what the amygdala sent to it to hear. Remember, melanin absorbs or it, it puts out. Melanin 
is piezoelectric, isn't it? Isn't it? The video just told you that. Source information is absorbed inside the squid's ink of melanin. It's hidden from you because your amygdala said, if you show this to this dude sitting in the cockpit right now, he's going to freak out. And he's probably going to poop his pants. And this really going to be embarrassing. And I don't think he's going to recover. So let's not show him that. Let's just turn that down. And your body's like, no problem. I will, no problem. I will secrete some melanin. I will just simply secrete melanin. Oh, there, I've just, I've squirted melanin out of my melanocytes. Now he cannot hear the breathing of God in his ear going, hey, you going to eat that? He doesn't hear it. And that you and I would have to have that because we would freeze. When, during the first son or the second son or the third son, when they made Adam and Eve, they didn't have melanocytes. No one had thought about it. And all these Adam and Eves were running around. And God's like, hey, I'm going to go say hi. And they're like, okay, cool. That'll be cool. I'm going to watch. And then they're watching. God comes down and says, like, hey, guys. And everyone just <clears throat> falls over and faints. They're freaked out. You just showed them your manifestation of God. They can't fucking handle that. So this melanin thing was created to do this. And this is why your friend is like, yeah, so I'm on my fourth booster. And there's no debate about the efficacy at all. Are you kidding? No, if you think there's a debate, you're just a stupid head who writes books that have the word apocalypse in the title. <laughs> you must be stupid because you're tracking the great circle that every civilization that's ever been here before is written down. Right? That's melanin. That guy's not stupid. That guy has more melanin than I do. He secreted more melanin, like, boop, 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 boop. Let's not talk about how, how government would run something like a Pied Piper, but for eugenics, which would literally bring around like a guillotine that's like safe and effective, ding, and people would run out and go, oh, I want to try. The government said it's cool. And then they did it, and it's like, wow, that was totally safe. And it was effective. That dude's not here anymore. It's exactly what the government wanted, and it's safe and effective, and no one had to force anybody. Nobody. They're breeding out the melanites, melaninites. They're breeding them out. They're finding the melaninites in the world and saying, you know what? You can't exist like this anymore. It's time for the fifth sun. The yellow sun is white now. You're not going to like it here. So we're going to give you an exit to leave. And you get to be a hero as you leave. You get to be a hero. And everyone's going to wear a veil while you pass. But now's your chance. You got to do it now. Now everyone's going to wear a veil forever. All right. You're going to only be able to have them wear a veil for a few years. So if you want to participate in this great ceremony, the, the uh, Exodus Melanonus, now it's time. And that's, 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 that's what I think is happening. Now, light, light is, light, I know I said light is source, but it's just a little bit more complicated than that. Because source is source. The wake of source in the ether is called light. The light-bearing photon, I think photons are real. You want to fight about it? Let's go. Let's go. I think photons are real, and I think that what they're carrying is not light but information but source. That's why they're in packets. 
because source could not be in a packet if it didn't have a relation to each other. The information of that source is uh, encoded and, and encrypted in, in the, uh, the packets themselves. These are uh, light language. You can look this up and you'll still people show you uh, sigils in the light language, but those, that information is encrypted and it's, it's encrypted because it's compressed. And your receptor, check it out, you have a free GitHub version of Unzip in your head. In your source, your pineal decrypts this. It strikes your brain sand. You literally have brain sand at your needle. It strikes your brain sand. And the vibration, the perturbation of that is decrypted on the fly by you. That decryption is going to be directly proportional to how comfortable you are. This is the point of Ellen. Noah did not have that. He couldn't. What he needed to do was far, far too important. We are talking about 100% pure albino source reality, my friends. Oh, yeah. No melanin. Uncut. Unfiltered. And this is, this is horrible. The people that are seeing this kind of world are, we would call them giants. We would, we would call them giants, wouldn't we? We would, and, and I mean giant in the uh, uh, derogatory way that it was meant biblically. Look at this giant over there. Tapping into that sweet albino source reality. You know, he's, he's dangerous. He's coming in here, taking all our women. He lives 800 years. Jeez, man. Damn. Damn this dude. So which arc is more plausible, my friends? Which one? Which one? The Fisher-Price one? Where it's like, yeah, we need two. Now, uh, you meerkats, uh, you sure one of you is not a homosexual? And one of the meerkats look at the other. You sure? Now, look, I'm not here to judge you, meerkats. I'm not. But you can't get on the ark if you're a homosexual. Well, how is that not judging me? How in the world is that not judging me? Okay, so you are homosexual. No, that has nothing to do with it. Hypothetically, how would that not be judging me? It's like, look, I'm not judging you. But you're going to be asked to perform a certain duty when you're on the ark with uh, the other meerkat. And if you are not down with the, uh, the hoo-hoo, we're going to have a problem. So I know this feels bad. I know it feels like I'm, I'm discriminating against you, but, but we can't, we can't, we don't have room for no gay meerkats. We, we need a, we need a, we need a, we need you to be like the John Holmes of Mer, we're looking for the, the John Holmes of meerkats here. I don't know if that's his name, John Holmes. We're looking for the porn star of, uh, oh God, what is that guy's name? Oh God, he looks like Andre the Giant with the rubber bands in his head. Ron Jeremy. We're looking for the Ron Jeremy of uh, meerkats here. You sure you got what it takes? Is that story more likely? Is that more plausible? Two by two? Or is it more plausible to read that scientists have been creating 
chimeras in the lab for decades. And that the human monkey chimera is real. And I, I want to remind you all that the fact that science is now telling you that they had to go to great lengths to make a human monkey chimera, the very definition of chimera means two different species combined together, okay? I don't mind you thinking that you're a monkey. I don't. I don't. But it just gives you so many excuses to be like, oh, anytime I touch myself, it's evil. And, oh, I have this ego that I have to strangle when no one's looking in a john. And, oh, I have to put off my life and harpoon it with several appointments throughout the day that only last from nine until five, at which time there's an hour in between this precisely around the noon in which I will take a lunch because I will always be hungry then. Because that is my feeding time. And it's not a rope, it's a tie, right? That, that those same kinds of people have been rewriting this history forever, forever. And just like the mythical city of Troy, we've been creating chimeras in the lab, not for decades, for eons, for millennia, right? For that long. That's how long we've been making chimeras. And you, you came from the Ark of the Chimera. You did. And you, and you, and you, all of you did. I remember I saw you there. Remember we were having to pee in the corner and we thought it was hilarious that we were peeing inside an Ark when there's all this rain outside and we're like, why can't we go outside? But then Noah gets all freaked out and that albino freak is already freaky enough. But he's like, no, you can't. You can't let the light out. The luminous cloud is keeping us alive. And if you let the light out, it will die. So pee in the corner. Remember that? Yeah. That was us. And we came from this Ark of Chimera. So let's not pretend that we're not the bastardized children of the giants. This chimerism is very real. It's very important. It's very crucial. And it's giving you gigantic clues. You see that pun there, gigantic? Gigantic clues about who and what we are. Chimerism isn't even unnatural. In fact, there's no way that we'd be able to survive had we not participated in these kinds of things. They traced corn back to the genetic roots of corn, back to the uh, humble shores of Honduras. And the corn that they found was sort of like the bastard stepchild of, of a, a wheat that had the uh, strange propensity to place its fruit on the outside. It wasn't even wheat. And they're able to look at the genetic code of that piece. Some of you don't believe in DNA, which is totally fine. Forgive me. Correct me in the comments. Please actually educate me. Prove my lips. But that they found the, the genetic root of that. And they saw how it became more and more complex. And it led them down a path leading to maize, what we see now. And they noticed that, well, wait a minute. <laughs> There's no way that you could make this many hops, this many genetic changes in one cycle. It would take many, many, many cycles. And it seems to suggest that it would require some serious 
ingenuity that someone would have to be paying a lot of attention to this particular corn. In fact, even preserving it because this is a 200,000 year old progress with numbers in the green the whole way, the entire time. And that, that seems to suggest that, that there's been some intention that's been placed even as long as 50,000 years ago that somebody was preserving and saving genetic corn and placing it in some sort of ark. And you and I don't know what that ark would be because we are just learning. We've just learned. We've just learned how to make a monkey man. We just learned that like last, last week, right? We can now make a human monkey, Camara. That's great. You still need your fourth booster, though. That these, these things are budding sciences. They're coming into life only now. And only now are we able to look through the goggles of what we know or what we think we know to be completely zetatic and to look back at our history and say, holy shit, they knew it too. They knew it too. And there's chimeras crapping all over history. There's chimera poop everywhere when you go back to these ancient sites. And I, I used to believe, yeah, it would be easy for a dude to like have a story of like, hey, you know what? It'd be cool if like a lion had boobies. <laughs> That'd be sweet, man. You know, I'm a liar going, I mean, I'm, you know, the dude that plays the liar. I'm a minstrel. I'll say that. I'm a minstrel. A minstrel. That's weird. A minstrel, like his wife is like a minstrel, minstress. Anyway, I'm a minstrel. I'm going to sing a song about a lion with boobies. I think everyone in the bar would love to hear a story about a lion with boobies and wings. Be great. And sure, I used to think that that's how these stories, and, 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 and it could be, it could be, but it could be something else. It could be something else that would point to the fact that we have 200,000-year-old corn. It would point to something else because there's a, a giant plate off the coast of Taiwan that is clearly a rock quarry. It's about a mile underwater. That there's, there's beach sand found on the shelf of, of what is possibly the city of, of Atlantis, but that's two miles down. That, that all these things are, are definitely suggesting that, that there's a lot going on. I, you and I found, find uh, Paleolithic uh, seashells in Ohio, right? And that you and I have just learned how to make monkey men, chimeras in the lab. And that you and I are living in a civilization that's probably going to be learning more in the future probably be learning a lot more and that this idea of chimeras isn't isn't necessarily outside our realm outside our wheelhouse <clears throat> these guys are pretty common they're so common that here's a dude riding a chimera saving the world from other chimera that's how common it was <laughs> right pegasus you know, we definitely have this idea of where it's like, well, so look, some chimera are just fine and some chimera are awful. Okay. And if you don't know that, then you're going to hell. It's kind of like the Holy Ghost. 
demons suck, but not the Holy Ghost. Demons, you all suck, but but not you, Holy Ghost. No, you're you're not an effervescent spirit that doesn't occupy a body. But these effervescent spirits that don't occupy a body, they're evil. They're the demons, but not you, Holy Ghost. You're different. You're special, right? We have that that same same idea with chimeras. And if you think about, well, if this idea, because of the, the gay meerkat, because of little Jeffy, the gay meerkat, who, who's not the Ron Jeremy of meerkats, what, what else, how else could this arc function? And you, suddenly you look at that chimera and all of a sudden this light goes off. <laughs> ding, 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 this light goes off. That, well, wait a minute, what about the Nephilim? Here's a quick map from Randall Carlson showing you that every time we approach the cusp of Leo, like big shit happens. <laughs> There's like a massive reset. And then it moves and, if, and it, you'll go through another 6,000 years. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, the age of Taurus won't get you, but it, it probably will. And then when you head into the cusp of Aquarius, it's going to happen again. And it's going to happen again at Scorpio. Now, Scorpio is the eagle. If you take that as... Now, look at what we just did. The great sky clock doesn't just have the time. It has an alarm. It's showing you that whenever it enters the house of Leo, whenever it enters the house of Taurus, whenever it enters the house of Aquarius, whenever it enters the house of Eagle, all of these are the chimera. The four corners. We've talked about this figure a lot, right? Lamas... I think it's called Lamas or Lamuk or something uh, in Sumerian, right? The eagle, lion. Remember the Notre Dame's episodes we did? <laughs> Pretty sweet, right? Remember those? Same dudes, right? On the four. Remember gold lion missing? Remember the uh, cherub? Uh, Story of Enoch, right? Encoded into the mythology is the actual information that there's an alarm that goes off every 6,000 years. Uh, some of you are going to want to secrete some melanin for what I'm about to say, but right now we've just entered the age of Aquarius and we're, we're watching, uh, something big happen right now, right? Were you writing a book with the word apocalypse in it? <laughs> God, this is stupid. Why would anyone write a book about apocalypse when there's like 250 million years of history backing it up? Oh, you're so dumb for writing a book. You wrote five of them? God, you're like five times dumb. So you'd have to create this genetic arc, wouldn't you? You'd need an embryonic dispensary, right? And the sole goal of that uh, embryonic dispensary was to populate the earth. You'd be creating a carnal vol of giants. And literally, this is the archetype of the, of the Baphomet. I don't, I don't write these things. I report them. You know that. I did no work. I required no glue for me to take the head of the Baphomet off and stick it on top of Noah. No work was required at all. You know what? That shit was magnetic. It doused its way together. It doused its way together. Now, this is a lamb of God. That's who that is. These are lambs of God. And we, we, we know this. We did a huge episode of it, of it just, a, just a week or two ago, right? 
And here's the ba fomet, secreting the male and the female, secreting all of creation on the placenta of the Nile. Here's the baphomet, the doxa, in Hindu. Same, same idea, morphed into a man but still wearing the headdress in Egypt. Same thing. Check out my other episode if you want more on that. There's a lot on that. And we covered this last time too. That there's something about the sheep that's very, very prolific when it comes to xenotransplantation, multiplets, chimerism, modeling humans, and uh, enhancing humanity itself. Right? Leading to the uh, advancement of humans itself. It turns out that lamb are a, are a great way of doing that. My friends, giants were the lambs of God. And they were considered hideous. They were considered terrifying. They were considered horrible because that was their job. Their job was to fuck. Their job was to give birth. Their job was to live for hundreds of years. Identical twins, multiplets, and chimeras. Um, <clears throat> what is this, James? Yes, sheep embryo. That the basic techniques for sheep embryo led to the ability of actually creating identical twins, multiplets, and chimeras without actually needing that much work. And that lambs had this built-in, or sheep had this built-in ability to have their embryos split. It was uh, an economic shortcut, kind of like how maize is already there, an edible kind of corn. And imagine this arc of chimera spitting out all kinds of horrible things. All kinds of things in its desperate quest to populate the earth. Does it want to do it neatly or does it want to do it quickly? Why would it need to do it quickly, James? Because there's a timeline, dummy. Right? I should have said silly. There's a timeline, silly. There's a timeline. We cannot afford to do this without applying some calories. We've got a window here, people. And if we want to grow a fresh crop of humans, we may only have 6,000 years. If we're lucky, we might have 12,000. Clock is ticking. Clock is ticking. So what do you do? You unleash the Lamb of God on the land. And it probably was hideous. It probably was scary. It probably was terrifying. It probably was um, exactly as they described it. Did you know that the older a woman gets, the more likely it is that she will have twins? Not only twins, but she might have triplets, she might have quadruplets. I've known this for quite some time. That women are more likely to conceive fraternal twins once they reach in their 30s. This is, uh, they claim, because of an evolutionary response to combat declining embryo viability. But what if it was something else, my friends? That what if twins, having twins, having twins, having twins, having twins, having twins, having twins, would be prolific? And you know what would make it even more prolific? Because of this fact that uh, they're more likely to have twins? What if we made the women not just die at 60, but they live till 700? That these giants, these 700-year-old women, were spitting out 
quintuplets after quintuplets after quintuplets. Walking through the fields, just plop, 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 like pumpkins falling in the dew, right? And that that's exactly what you would need if you were spawning the earth with the Lamb of God. And the entire time while you're spawning the earth, the entire time, Adam is telling his children in the book of Adam and Eve, he's telling them, hey guys, you guys, you're going to go out, you're going to have a good time, you're going to fuck, you're going to proliferate, you're going to carnal, you're going to have a carnal vol, and then a lot of you are going to die. You're going to die because you're not right. And the reason why you're not right is because you're not supposed to be right. You're supposed to be here to do the carnal spreading. That's your job. And we can't have you wandering around for 700 years. Dude, you don't need to be here that long. You don't. And so you will be fallen genetically. That every time you have a child, that child will genetically be limited. Just like Dolly the sheep. Dolly lived half her age as an artificial uh, sheep. A GMO sheep lived half as long. The Nephilim had the same thing. See last episode for a lot more information about what I just said. But this twinning is fascinating to me. This Nephilimic twins. Did you know that in Sparta, the first rulers were twins? And that that country had a uh, tradition of only allowing twins to be their leaders. And if you think about this carnal spirit that having twins would be a benefit that it would be easier to spread the seed to unblock noah's ark through twins and so we have this competing ideas don't we on one side we're like oh twins are so great they're like in charge and they found it all so they're oceanus they're the titans right all this mythological history of twins everywhere they founded rome everything and then on the same t- in the same token, we're calling them the devil itself, the fallen ones, the horrible, horrible. The word for horrible ones was giant, giants, and that they were made to fall because they were here to plow the fields. <laughs> plow the fields. He just said plow the fields. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I meant. They were here to plow the fields. Um, I want to remind you all, the cervical rib in the humans uh, was a key innovation in the success for gigantism. And that the uh, 8% of a larger part of the vertebral column is reinforced by having this cervical uh, rib. And that many vertebrates, including reptiles, uh, is a normal part of their anatomy to have this extra rib. And that these are the same things that had larger heads that had larger bodies, a body that could live 700 years, right? a body that could live 1,000 years. And then as I showed you last time in that timeline, consistently degradating every generation. Every generation is degradating. Now imagine what that felt like to know, wow, I'm not even going to outlive my father. Damn. And my kids, they're not even going to outlive me. Of course you'd feel like a fallen one. Of course you'd feel that way. And you know what? It would make you want to have carnal sex more, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows, right? The protoplast. 
Finding the protoplast is difficult in nature because there's only one protoplast. This protoplast is this uh, idea of the first formed. Adam and Eve, right? Noah, would you consider him a protoplast? Adam Kaman, Lilith, right? The origin species. All of these origins have this twinning notion, this first, first notion. And the same twins are found on uh, in Native American lore, this uh, figures on the right here, and that you have this same chimera built into so many of these totems. The chimera is everywhere, my friends. This is from our last episode, not the last, but an earlier episode, but the idea of Aedum, Adam, the sun and moon united, the symbol of the Baphomet itself, the sacred hermaphrodite, that these symbols are, are uh, truly responsible for um, uh, the splitting of Adam and Eve. And that the hermaphrodite is a real thing. It's not a construct. We know that. The chimerism proves that even. But isn't it interesting, though, that we always have to split this atom? That the atom Kadmon is the hidden atom, the potential atom. The atom Cassia is the uh, hidden atom once it's split from the potential of the Kadmon. The, I should have actually, anyway. Uh, so the uh, atom Cassia and the Hawa Cassia, that's the Adam and the Eve split from the Edom. But you still have this Adam Pagria, the bodily Adam. And then there's these all these stories about, wait a minute, so there's Eve, but then there's Lilith too? And do you want to know who Lilith is? Lilith is the split of Eve. That's why Adam had two wives, but only one. Right? That's why there are two Adams. What do you mean there's two Adams? There's two Adams. The Adam Cassia, the Adam Pagria. This isn't the only place there's two atoms. I'm just getting warmed up, ladies and gentlemen. We're just getting warmed up. The curse of Canaan. What is commonly known as the curse of Ham was not bestowed upon him himself. Rather, Noah indirectly cursed him via his son Canaan, right? Janus, exactly. Yeah, you'll see that too. And Shem and Jephthah took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. One of the weirdest voices, uh, verses in the world. Genesis 9.12. Actually, this is 9.23, sorry. The Talmud deduces two possible explanations. One attributed Rabbi Abba Arika. And one to Rabbi Samuel for what Ham did to Noah to warrant the curse. Arika says Ham castrated Noah. And links it up to the fourth son of Canaan. That's his idea. Samuel says, no, he sodomized Noah. Uh, referring to how many times the word, and he saw him uh, as, as being a sign of, of having sex. And Samuel says, well, he had to sodomize Noah because Noah's a dude. That's what Samuel's told you. Sam said, well, it had to be sodomy because he was a dude. And I'm telling you, these are giants. And that Noah is not a normal creature. So not normal that Lamech is about to uh, divorce his wife. And that the reason why Noah is not normal is because Noah is chosen. 
and that he's probably not just uh, an albino. He's probably a hermaphrodite. He's probably this ark that lives longer than Ham and Shem combined. And they find that to be fallen. They feel as if they are unworthy. And Ham goes in to Noah, who's drunk from the wine in his fields, and does something to him. And what's interesting is that the scripture doesn't say that Ham goes into his tent. It actually refers to it as her tent. And then in Genesis 9.21, Noah is called her tent. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within her tent, not his tent. We did an episode where we covered a lot of this. This is not just an anomaly. I just need you to go back if you think that, that I'm nitpicking here. Did the, uh, took a lot of time to do this work. Here's 21 examples that I think back up what I mean. And then this is not even just my idea. A lot of people talk. I'm the, I'm the dude that's telling you it's like a Baphomet. I'll, I'll admit that. But this concept of his tent versus her tent is not a... Uh, it's not a James True idea. Shit, I don't think I showed you that. Here's all those 21 verses to back it up. James, watch this screen, not that screen. This screen, not that screen. <clears throat> so the hermaphrodite is castrated. I, I want you just to think about that castration could mean a lot of things. To eliminate someone's ability to reproduce might fit with the word castrate, especially if you are calling a hermaphrodite a he, that that might be something you do. What did him do? I don't know. Option one, he castrated his his uh, male organ. That That's definitely an option. I don't think that's it. I think he had sex with Noah, and I don't think he sodomized him. I think he stuck it right in the Ganesh. Right where the right where you'd feed the elephant a carrot, I think that's where uh, Ham uh, came by to say hi. And I think he did that because he uh, knew that his his children would not be of that same kind, that his children would be fallen. And that the only way he could produce a son that would outlast his other brothers is if he was to take advantage of Noah while he was drunk in her tent and to go inside. And this is why everyone reacted so horribly. They were like, dude, did you just Ganesh dad? And it's like, yeah, I did. I did. And one of the reasons why his brothers could not look at Noah is because they could see the Ganesh of Noah in its totality. That this is part of that fallen spirit. It's a genetic curse. 
there's a uh, this argument. I'm sorry, I'm not sure how to even word this, but there's this idea that Noah has a fourth son. And I think this proves like without a doubt what I just told you. <laughs> because sometimes the Bible treats Canaan as if it's Noah's son. And sometimes the Bible treats Canaan as if it's Ham's son. And if you take the story where Ham goes into Noah and drops his seed inside Noah's Ganesh, that now you have a case where Canaan is both Noah's son and Ham's son. I don't, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but what I just told you, I don't think anyone has ever thought of that before. I know that sounds really arrogant, but I just, for what it's worth, I, this show has cool stuff in it. And, and sometimes you don't know it's cool because maybe you don't know what's been said and what hasn't been said. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I just, if I had like an applause sign, I would like flash it just then because the fact that there's this confusion over well, whose son is Canaan? Is it Noah's fourth son or is it Ham's son? It's just completely, completely answered in this idea. I'm not saying it makes it true, but man, it's, it's fucking fire. I'm telling you, it's, it's really, really profound. God, that sounds arrogant, James. Shut up. This fourth son kept, uh, it, it really took off. This unnamed fourth son, uh, they claim, refused to come aboard the ark. And instead climb a mountain and was drowned by himself. That this fourth son uh, is, uh, has a lot more prolific history in the Quran. Why? Because the people in the Quran weren't trying to uh, clean the stuff up so much. The sacredness of the text is more important. Now there's, there's arguments inside the P translation, which is beautifully even explains that, and it backs up what I'm saying, that those discrepancies, the peace source had to say what he said about, there's a paragraph that says, uh, Ham, whose son was Canaan, that one of the few times the peace source added whose son was Canaan. Typically, the peace source would never add anything like that. Even if it conflicted, the peace source just wanted as much of the original text just to be there. And so the peace source did what he could to satisfy the conflictedness by putting the comma because his son Canaan, when in fact the original text was correct, that Canaan was the son of Ham and Noah, and that Ham was fighting against the very Nephilitic falling that was happening to his chimeric line the whole time. It was a desperate clinging to the gonads of your father saying, hey, you're drunk. Let's make some babies. Weird, right? There's an Irish myth that Noah had another son named Biff. Biff. <laughs> and uh, again, he wouldn't come aboard the ark, so he tries to colonize and apparently is uh, wiped out in the deluge. Wiped out in the darkness would be a way of looking at that. And that they try and trace this same dude to the house of Wessex now, which... 
if you look at this hermaphroditic uh, theme inside the elite, I think it ties all the way back to here. All the way back to here. And that Canaan, Canaan would be the child of, of Noah, not Ham. And that's a, there could be a genetic reason why a certain group of people kept this hermaphroditic trait longer than others. Uh, Bith, B-I-T-H, not Biff. I know I said it that way, but I don't know how to say it. Bith. It should be on the screen there. It's underlined. The fourth son actually, in one story, demands the shin bones because he's not going to the ark. In this text, they called him Yontan. Yontan demands part of the relics of Adam, which were kept in the ark. And uh, Noah said, okay, fine. You're not coming on the ark for whatever reason, but here's the Adam's shin bone. There's this. These are giants and they're terrible. And at the same time, we venerate them and we need their bones. And this whole fetish we have for relics. Most of the time, actually encapsulated inside the pulpit itself. These shin bones of Adam. Because we knew it was the last remnants we had of living 800, 900, 1,000 years old. This is the last chances we had at, at, at being that and doing those things, right? Lamech, Noah's dad, uh, was 182 180 years old at the birth of Noah and lived for another 595 years and until the year 777, five years before the darkness or the flood. According to one legend preserved in the Babylonian Talmud, God cursed him because he broke a prohibition on sex aboard the ark and was smitten in his skin. According to another, Noah cursed him because he castrated his father. What I want you to see here, look Read between the lines. Ham broke a prohibition on sex aboard the ark. That before the ark was built, the story is told that Noah was overcome with impotence. That for a hundred years, or I think it was a hundred, Noah had no interest in sex at all because he was supposed to focus on the ark. Focus on the ark. And that that would be the closest way you could interpret the idea that before Noah, there was a time when sex was not how you procreated. And that when you entered into the ark, the children that would come forth from the Ron Jeremy Murkats and everyone else around would bequeath those that would have to have sex in order to procreate. It was breaking the prohibition on sex is the same way as saying you now need sex to survive, that that is what is required of you. Now, <clears throat> in order for us to get more clues about all this, we need to understand that Noah is the son of Prometheus. Did you guys know that? That Noah, I didn't actually know uh, know that uh, Dusalion, uh, Deucalion, is it Deucalion? It is, isn't it? Deucalion? Uh, was the son of Prometheus, but Nucalion was Noah. So if the son of Prometheus is Noah, that means Lamech is Noah. That means that Prometheus is the grandson 
of Enoch. Pretty cool, right? And that you'd only know this if you jumped over into Greek. It's the only way you'd know this. But there it is. That Deucalion, I think that's how you pronounce it, that Deucalion built the same ark, did the same thing. It was a chest, by the way. Still couldn't see out. And he was the son of Prometheus. Right? So Lamech is Prometheus. Noah is Dusalon. This uh, starts to open the story up more. Because the story of Prometheus stealing fire becomes something much more, much more. The Chimera Prometheus split into Epimetheus. That it is known that Epimetheus, which is the brother of Prometheus, remember the twins? Remember the twins? Okay. Epimetheus, the brother of Prometheus, is called by many to be the first man. And that Pandora is referred to as the first woman. And that Pandora, Epimetheus, if you remember, was tempted by Pandora. This is your Adam and Eve. But before Adam and Eve, Aedem had to split. And the splitting of Aedem was Prometheus and Epimetheus. Prometheus, the word means forethought. Epimetheus, the word means afterthought. You were looking at the first Janus. And in these stories, Prometheus is called the maker of man. And in these stories, Epimetheus is called the maker of animal. Epimetheus ran out and made all the animals first. And he gave away all the gifts of swiftness, cunningness, camouflage. And when Prometheus had, make, had made man, he had no fur to give him. He had no feathers to give him. He had no speed. He had no hooves. And so Prometheus, feeling bad, gave him fire. He gave man fire. Fire is immortality. It's immortality. Epimetheus fell through his temptation for who Pandora. Epimetheus and Pandora are the Adam and Eve that you knew before this stream. Prometheus is the Aedum, the combination of forethought and afterthought, the Promethean model of what we think is really the combination of the twins, Prometheus and Epimetheus, the chimera of those two as one before the split. From bones to stones. Noah, remember, Dusalian, Dusalian. I hate that I'm pronouncing it wrong, whatever it is. Just laugh and correct me, just do that. I'll, I'll, I'll stop getting my ego hurt about it. Uh, bones of their mother must be cast behind them. What's interesting about this creation story is, is that it is the story of Adam, but there's something really, really important. I think it's on the next slide. Prometheus stole fire back from Zeus. Further enraged, Zeus sent the first woman to live with humanity. Sorry, this is a... Uh... Here it is. Here comes the slide. Okay. Sorry, guys. Deucalion uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, had to make man, and the story goes that he threw stones over his shoulder. 
and that the stones were the bones of their mother, and that by throwing them over their shoulder, you reproduce. Now, Eve is the Pandora, and she was made out of clay by one of the Titans. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Hephaestus made Pandora, and from her, a race of female kind. He literally made what is the box of Pandora, that beautiful box. You guys know what that box is. We spend our lives looking for that box. And that's the, the protoplast of Eve, Pandora, the, the uh, vessel for the end for the prohibition for the end of prohibition of sex is that box noah split into two by the children of prometheus you can read this and and i think see more once the deluge was over and the couple had given thanks to zeus noah said in several of the sources to have been age 82 at this time consulted an oracle of themis about how to repopulate the earth this is another Ding, ding, ding. New point, new point. Here comes a new point that's that uh, we haven't found yet. Feel free to correct it if you think it's wrong. And he was told to cover your head and throw the bones of your mother behind your shoulder. And uh, understood that mother is Gaia, the mother of all things, and the bones to be rocks or clay. They threw the rocks behind their shoulders, forming people. But check it out. Noah's wife. Pra. Pra. When she threw the bones of the rocks over her shoulder, they became women. When Dusalan did the same, they became men. And who did they consult? But Themis, the oracle at Themis. And the oracle at Themis is the symbol of justice that you see today. It is the, uh, the balance of the scales. But my friends, those scales, those scales... Or sex. This is the male and the female. And the justice, the splitting of the male and the female, is literally Prometheus becoming Themis. And that's why justice comes from the goddess of law, Themis. It is the splitting of the male and the female. The exact same thing that happened here. Epimetheus afterthought, Prometheus forethought, Noah. Why would Noah need to consult the goddess of law about how to spread bones? Because this isn't the goddess of law. This is that splitting, the cleavage, the mitosis of your genesis. The taking away of immortality and Prometheus stealing that mortality and giving stealing that immortality and giving it to you. How did he give it to you? He hid it inside the genetic code of a fennel stock. Prometheus stole fire back from Zeus in a fennel stock and restored it to humanity. This further enraged Zeus, who sent the first woman to live with humanity. The woman, a shy maiden, Pandora, was fashioned out of clay, and Athena helped to adorn her properly. From her, the race of women and female kind, of her is the deadly race, hear that? Deadly race, meaning a mortal race, and tribe of women who live amongst men to their greater trouble. 
that man now must soil and toil to find woman in order for him to have his fire of immortality. He needs the woman is what this is saying. And it proves it even more because um, for his crimes, Prometheus was punished by Zeus who bound him with chains and sent an eagle to eat Prometheus's immortal liver every day, which then grew back every night. Zeus was attacking Prometheus's immortality, wasn't he? He was punishing him for his immortality. The light that Prometheus brought you. Is this hermaphroditic? Sorry. Immortality. The fennel plant produces a hermaphrodite flower with both male and female parts. Fennel is known for its invasive nature as it will reproduce from both root crown and seed. Fennel is a one of the richest sources of DLK1, which is one of the key genes involved in the development of what? The liver. And the same DLK1 has been used in genetic testing because it's giving huge implications for the importance of sheep production. That when we give sheep fennel, we have a better ability to produce twins, to produce multiplets, multiplets, and chimera. That fennel, <laughs> not making this up, that fennel encourages chimerism, encourages the proliferation of your liver, the very thing that is attacked. And you know what's just freaking fat? Whoa, what did I just do? Oh, shit. Did I just close the stream? You guys there? And what is... Uh, you guys are there. And uh, and what is cool about the liver? The liver has a unique capacity among organs to generate itself. A liver can grow to a normal size even after up to 90% of it has been removed. But the liver isn't invincible. Many diseases, this is Pandora, and exposures can still harm it now. So Zeus inserted Pandora to stop the liver even when it's able to reproduce itself. The liver is the only organ that can do that. There's your immortality right there, my friends. The liver. Now, you tell me, when Stan and Cletus were writing the old stories, because they're mythologers, right? When they're writing the old stories, do you think that they were seriously... Yeah, what's a good uh, thing... What's the good archetype for like immortality? It's like, you know, think fennel, that sounds right. And uh, liver, it's like, well, how do you know that? It's like, I'm just making them up. I, I spun my wheel of organs and it landed on liver. These are ancient ways. The Ark of Chimera is an ancient memory inside your bones. It's there. It's there. Stories of Enoch called the Safar Rabbah, considered the great scribe or great male. If you remember, we talked about Hebrew, the huhi, and the uh, meaning of male, that male itself means to remember, that the Hebrew letter for male means to remember, and that Enoch was considered the great scribe, and God took him and brought Enoch back into the enclosed garden. Why? Because he was the great scribe. What am I saying to you? Enoch was a master key the keys of Enoch, his body, his genetic code was used as a master, the master copy. And his grandson, Prometheus, 
inherited that code. Inherited it. Enoch was brought into the city of God where he was surrounded by cherubim, chimera everywhere, right? Wheels within wheels, with the head of a lion, with the head of, a, of an eagle, with the head of a bull, and with the head of man. Surrounded by chimeras going, ah, we are chimeras, ah, that kind of thing. A busy day for him. We're making human monkey chimeras right now. I already said that. We're going to have to get to the four world. We're going to have to get to the... This is a teaser for next time. We have Dojo in five minutes. And if you'd like to come to Dojo, it doesn't just work to put a comment that says, I would like to come to Dojo. I don't know what your email address is. You're going to have to... Uh, somehow send someone your email address. You can put the email address in chat or in a comment if you want, or you could just go to JTrue and just find the contact page and, and email me there. I think YouTube might even give you my email. I don't know. But if I had your email, I can invite you to Dojo. But if you say you want to come to Dojo, unless I have your email or unless you join through Patreon or JTrue, I can't help you. So, uh, But you're welcome to join us in Dojo right now. Uh, four minutes until that happens. I'd like to thank everybody for uh, listening to this presentation. Sorry about uh, being arrogant earlier about trying to show off about that one point, but it's just, I just, I fucking love doing this. <laughs> and when you find something new, uh, sometimes you want people to know that it's new just so they can sort of understand, oh, wow, that is, that might be new. Uh, not that news better, but we know how news itself uh, does that. You know what? I'm not sorry. T call me a dick. I don't care. That's fine. Uh, uh, yeah. There's a, a book I'd love for you to buy. It's called Quantum Rapture. I'm writing the sequel right now. It'd be great if you could buy it. It'd be great if you could buy the first one. It talks a lot about, about what we're doing right now and, uh, and more. And it goes into a lot about, uh, about what's coming next. Uh, not just about what we talk about, but about all kinds of things. And uh, you can get that book right now on Amazon. I wish you would. And uh, if you have that book and you thought it was good or bad and you want to leave a review, a review, that would actually help a lot too. I've just posted that link in chat to that book, and uh, I recommend you, uh, you check it out. Um, time for me to fly. Hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, this talk and uh, our look at uh, albino, albino Noah. Um, we will uh, see you next time. Have a, have a, let me see. I got three minutes. Uh, yeah, see you on Mount Olympus. Uh, oh, hey, Mel, thank you. I think it was, uh, did we ever figure out whose birthday it was? Sorry, guys, I've been too involved in putting this out. Oh, good, you guys seem to like this show. Good, good. When myths are sacred, subjects are incongruous in thought. By that very fact, they cry aloud, as it were, and summon us to not believe them literally, but to study and track their hidden meaning. Julius Evolva. Okay, 72 virgins are a bit high. Twin sisters. Yeah, it wasn't just twin sisters, man. It was just a giant orgy of just like pregnant women. And every time they got older, they were having more and more. All right. Uh, yeah, this is what Dojo's for. If you want to uh, talk more about it, uh, we'll see you in there. 
Oh, I gotta, I gotta do the closing song. I gotta go. I gotta go. Bye. Chimera. El Chimero. You gotta get in your Chimero. See, we're getting the Chimero. Go down the street. Shoot some pool and get some billiards. And pick up chicks because we're the Nephilim.